Ronananian. Parts are a real problem, he said. Um, you've heard that guy with the podcast here, the appliance doctor. I'm going, there's an appliance doctor? I'm thinking, Jay, I don't think I've heard of this guy. I said, you mean the car doctor? And he went, yeah, the car doctor. I just stuck out my hand and I said, Ronananian, nice to meet you. Thank God he was up against the case because I thought he was going to fall over. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. Pleased to meet you. Hope you get my name. The Car Doctor. And this is a 6262 Cadillac, correct? Right. All right. Well, you've eliminated components. Provided you've got good used parts or good new parts, whichever you've purchased. So we're now down to a wiring diagram. There's, okay. there's, there's nothing else there, brother. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie Andy, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Whatever they might be, you've got a car problem, pick up the phone, get up off the couch. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's here and ready to help you solve your automotive problem. More information about us at cardoctorshow.com. Of course, we're out on social media. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Facebook page and podcasting available vis-a-vis uh, com out at Spreaker.com, uh, courtesy of the nice folks over at iHeart. Well, um, gee, what do you want to talk about this week, right? You, you know, vacation week is a, it, it's a weird deal, right? We were, we were off last week and uh, went out to recharge the battery, no pun intended. And, you know, I've, I've been going to Cape Cod, it's no secret, for years and years and years. It's been a while. We kind of had a four- or five-year lapse, and then the family decided, let's go back to the Cape and spend a week. And, you know, the road trip just gets better. I always enjoy the road trip. This year we went up in, the, in a 2018 Ford Explorer, and interestingly, we drove straight through. And um, the roads haven't changed. The roads are still full of lunatics. Uh, you, you know, and it seems like the cars that people are driving allow them to travel faster. And I want to say more dangerously, there's there's a certain air of the car will solve the problem for me. It'll keep me safe. It'll keep me out of the accident until you have one. And needless to say, it was a rather quick road trip so that we didn't get run over uh, running up 95 to 195 outside of Providence and so on. But Cape Cod is where it was different. You know, I always enjoy going away and traveling because I want to see what are the differences in cars there versus here. There's a, you know, there's an evolution and a revolution coming in, in the automobile world. And, you know, you get out to a different part of the country, you'll see evidence of what's going on. I always read the want ads. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute because I always like to see what's... I'll tell you what the find of the week was. And I actually got out of the car and knocked on the door. I was driving down a, a little tiny, which they're all little tiny country lanes in the middle of Cape Cod. We were out in Eastham, out by Wellfleet in that area, and up towards the tip. And driving by, and I, I saw it, and I kind of glanced out of the corner of my mind. Like, no. Nah. And I kind of stopped, I stopped the car and I backed up and I looked at it again. And there it was at the edge of the driveway, minding its own business. Looked like it had been sitting outside for a while, but still a very, very restorable car. 
a 57 Chevy four-door Bel Air station wagon. They didn't make a lot of those. That was kind of a, a, a rarity, a 57 Chevy four-door wagon, especially a Bel Air. And it looked very original, all there, you know. The wife's like, do you want it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get out of the car, go knock on the door. I went out and knocked on the door, I, you know, very nicely. A lot of big dogs inside the house, though. I didn't like that part. Um, but, no, it wasn't for sale. But, you know, it's it's interesting to see what's out there, right? We went out for ice cream a couple of times, and it was it was nice. I sat with my brother-in-law, Clay. Um, he's from they're from Pittsburgh area, and we we talked about cars and you know vacation with with me is it's no different than radio with me. We talk about cars, and we the subject really was you know, and he wanted to know what my thoughts were on electric vehicles, and I shared that with him as I've shared it with you when we've talked about electric vehicles and. And, 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 and where is that turning point? Where is the moment where the scales tip? And, you know, where does the horse and buggy whip go away? Where does the saddle of the horse go away, just as it did 120 years ago? Where does the internal combustion engine vehicle go away? And I said, you know, Clay, they're all valid questions, and they're all, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be answered by guys a lot smarter than you or I because it's going to be based on demand of society. I said, you know, the impact of it, and we looked around the parking lot. You know, the impact of it is going to be predicated by that. It's demand. And Clay pointed out something I hadn't been aware of, but nowhere on Cape Cod, at least from Eastham out. Now, have you ever been to Cape Cod? Eastham is kind of like where the, the, the elbow meets the, you know, the forearm there. Is it, it's, it's where the cape goes up. Nowhere anywhere past Eastham did I see a Tesla charging station, which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know if there are any there. Cape Cod has definitely changed in the four or five years since I've been there. The smaller businesses are dying off. There was a lot of empty buildings. And the car count was very different. I noticed that the fleet is still older, you know, except for out-of-state plates, but the, 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 you know, the residents of that area of Cape Cod are still driving that 15-year-old Dodge pickup that's rusted out, that, 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 that 12-year-old Chevy pickup that's rusted out. Everything's rusted out up there, and they just drive it until it stops. There's a garage up there on Route 6A that I always go by, Neighborhood Automotive. I've always liked the place. I've never gone in and introduced myself. Just as, you know, like I'd like to just, to me, that would be like the field trip, right? Go see how do they fix cars up there. What, what's, but I noticed they had a 64 Lincoln Continental in the parking lot that they were working on. They had an older Pontiac, I think something from the late 60s or early 70s, that they were working on. And, you know, my, my takeaway from all this was that as the evolution and revolution of cars continues, you know, in North Jersey it's going to be very different than L.A., than Florida, than Cape Cod. It's going to take a long time to catch up. And maybe the changeover isn't going to happen as quick as we as quick as we think, you know? There was an awful lot of brand-new gas-only gas stations on Cape Cod. People are making the investment. You know, and that's not a cheap proposition because you have to figure, you know, parts of Cape Cod are really a five-month economy. Um, you go out to Eastham, Mass, at, 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 at the end of September after Labor Day and, you know, October, it's 
from what I understand, it's it's you know you could fall asleep on some of the roads in a sleeping bag, and nobody would bother you till the next morning. You know, it, there's just nothing there. It's the the, the crowds are gone. Um, but it was interesting to see the dynamic of of the crash. I think in my mind, I was looking at the intervention of old technology resisting new and resisting the changeover and it made me realize that dollars are going to drive the change purely dollars dollars by way of consumer demand dollars by way of being able to deal with newer technology dollars by the ability to support the new technology either with repair shops or personnel or 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 that dealership ability I, you know, you get out past Neighborhood Automotive on Route 6 in, in, in Cape Cod, and there wasn't a whole lot of repair shops past that point. Uh, I think there was one up on in Provincetown, and that was kind of it. You know, if your car broke, if your new car broke, and it was, quote-unquote, a dealer repaired requirement car, um, you know, for, for lack of tooling or information or whatever, car's getting towed an hour and a half. It's got to go down to Hyannis or it's got to get towed off the Cape. And, you know, it's technology is going to limit how fast in certain parts of the country and the world, really, for that matter, that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. So um, good trip, definitely different. Um, I gave Clay some pearls to walk away with. I think, uh, you know, we were in agreement that it's just a matter of watching and, and catching the wave when you can to make the change to electric. Um, still don't think it's yet. I uh, still think it's a way off up in Cape Cod because, as I pointed out to him, I said, here I am, Ben and Jerry's on Route 6 having, you know, what did I have? Um, I didn't have Grasshopper. Grasshopper was at E. Macambolio's. That was a whole nother. I think I had, I think I had, um, oh, American Dream. I like that American Dream. That's good stuff. And, uh, you know, how would I charge the car? And does, does the electric grid, you know, and I pointed this out to Clay. I said, you know, if, if 15% of the population in the area around us all of a sudden had Teslas, can the electric grid support that? I don't know that. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but it, it does make you think. So there's going to be limitations. And then we got into the usual, you know, if everything was electric car, what happens to the gas station, the repair shop, the tools, the, you know, everything gets sketchy out there. And, and, and ultimately what I think would happen is the cost of doing business of any kind on Cape Cod goes up because there's less economy and the ability to support all that business goes down. So, you know what? That 64 Lincoln sitting in the parking lot of Neighborhood Automotive, that guy had it going on. He knew what he was doing, hanging on to the older car. Maybe that's the way, and maybe that's what will happen. We'll see. But um, good vacation. I'm back. I'm ready to take your calls, 855-560-9900. The trip home was very uneventful, uh, by the way. Um, uh, lots of traffic in, in the area, though. You can see this is close to the last week of of summer vacation for everybody and everybody's trying to get ahead of labor day a week out um, there's a lot of traffic on the road all over the place yesterday late in the day not just here in the northeast from what i've heard and read so um but anyway here to take your calls i'm ron and the car doctor i'll be back right after this
write it on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's um, just real quick, I want to point this out. Get out to BerrymanProducts.com. I was actually, while I was on vacation, I was actually looking at some of the websites of, of, of information for different things. And Barry, I was on Berryman quite a bit. And they've actually got this great video there that explains. It's called the High Energy Solvent Test. So just go to BerrymanProducts.com, scroll down a little bit, and click on the tab for HEST, the HEST test, as they called it, the high-energy solvent test. They've got a demonstrator, and he, he walks through a, a, a comparison analysis of Berryman's against, I don't know, seven or eight different of the name brand-leading fuel system cleaners on the market. And they, they do a test demonstration with a styrofoam cup about how Berryman's will go through it and the others won't. And then they make the point about how that styrofoam cup contains chemical components that are found in gasoline, which supports combustion. It's a very, very convincing video that you, you watch this and you say, wow, it just makes sense as to why Berriman works as good as it does. And it also, to the point that I've always told you, you know, you always call in and ask me, what's the best fuel system cleaner and why? I always say it's a matter of engineering and who stays the most current and who's up on top of their game. Take a look at that HES test at BerrimanProducts.com and tell me that that's not, that's not a convincing argument. Let's get over and talk to Emily in Kentucky, 03 Toyota 4Runner, some air conditioning issues. Emily, welcome to the car, Doctor. How can I help? Hi, thank you so much. You're welcome. Yes, we have a 2003 4Runner. The, air, the compressor was blown, so we had to replace the compressor and the seal. A week later, the air conditioning stops again, and we were told that it was the evaporator, and in order to repair it, the dashboard and the steering wheel would have to be removed and then put back in. Right. That's correct. Oh, and yeah. my husband says it sounds like brain surgery and a DNR. So well, he, has, he has placed a DNR on the car. You know, my, my question is, when they did the compressor, was it out of refrigerant? No. My husband had bought some refrigerant and, a, I guess, a pressure tester and uh, had put it in. But it had apparently it had a slow leak. Okay. All and right. So then we had the compressor and the seal replaced, what, and then a week later. What makes them boom. What makes them think it's the evaporator and not the condenser, not the new part, not something else? Why are we going after the evaporator so quick? I do not know. My husband, uh, I don't know if they tested it. Or what? I do okay. not know why they said it was the, evap was the evaporator. Okay, because usually the evaporators are, are, I won't say they're the last, but they're not as common as some of the other components. Here's, here's the things, you know, if you could relay this to your husband, here's the things you want to you hear that they did, all right? Um, yeah. They, they want to have done a couple of things. They want to have, hopefully they pressurized the system. They put refrigerant in it, and then they sniffed around looking for tests, looking for leaks. Hopefully they, they pulled a vacuum on the system. You know, they, they hooked the machine up. They recovered whatever refrigerant was in there. They pulled a vacuum. Did it hold under a vacuum test? Did it fail under a vacuum test? And then, and then last, besides doing a visual, which to me is, you know, it's obvious. You want to look things over by eye with a flashlight for what you can see. You can't see an evaporator. You want to add a refrigerant charge and then put a fluorescent dye in the system. You ever you ever, okay. you ever been to the doctor where they put that dye in your arteries and they they want to see where the the the, the dye goes so they know how your arteries are working and and yeah. such we, we 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 do basically the same thing with a car we we put a dye in the system 
and we let it work its way through. And we're then going in. It's called it's called a black light test. We're going to turn off the lights in the shop, put on a pair of special yellow glasses, special flashlight, and we're going to look to see where does that dye show up. If that if that dye shows up on the condenser, the condenser's bad. The lines the lines are bad. We can't see it on the evaporator without cutting a hole on on an, on an obscure part of the dash or down bottom of the evaporator case where nobody can see it. But what we where we will see it is if the evaporator is truly leaking, and you might have to go through this test twice, maybe three times. It may not come out the first time around, but you will see it if you let the vehicle idle, just run and idle with the AC on under the right temperature conditions. You know when it drains water? Yes. In, in time, it's going to drain fluorescent dye out. So you'll you'll take the black light and, you know, if you're collecting the water in a pan or if you're doing it on a portion of the shop floor where you back the vehicle away and if you see green dye on the shop floor from the water that came out of the evaporator, you know the evaporator's leaking. So it's, 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 it's not so impossible to prove. My concern is, you know, my, my concern is you just spent the money on a compressor, and now it's, it, it almost sounds like I want to hear somebody did some diagnosis. I don't want to hear, well, we think it's this. No, or, he said, no, my husband said they did that. They okay. did all the items that you said. Okay. And okay. that's how they were. And I think, they, is it a slow leak in the evaporator? A slow leak in the yeah, evaporator. Then it's an evaporator, and that's a day's labor. Uh, you know, the part's probably 300 bucks, so there's $1,000 to spend on this car uh, right. to have air conditioning. And then, well, you know, yeah. That's why it's on the, that's why it's on the DNR, do right. not resuscitate well, list. You know, and then just keep in mind, too, you are, you are into September, so you could um, theoretically do without air conditioning until the spring and then make a decision then. But um, in any event, yes, ma'am, to answer the question directly, the dashboard does have to come out. There's a brace up there. It's a little bit of work. It's very labor-intensive, and, um, you know, it's got to be done. If you do end up doing it, think about replacing the heater core, too, because it's right next to the evaporator based on vehicle age. Doing a heater core together is not a bad idea. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Running the car doctor. I just want to point out that this portion of the car doctor is brought to you by the folks at Omnicraft. Omnicraft parts, backed by Ford. You know you've you've been in, you've been in need of parts. You've been using Motorcraft and Ford parts for years. Well, keep in mind if you're in need of parts other than a Ford or Lincoln or Mercury vehicle, think Omnicraft. Omnicraft offers the most commonly used maintenance and light repair parts, including filters, brake pads, rotors calipers, struts, radiators, wheel hubs, assemblies, things like that. Um, cabin and engine air filters, of course. You know, you've trusted Motocraft for decades. Now try Omnicraft. Keep in mind, Omnicraft is backed by Ford. Omnicraft provides parts solutions for non-Ford Lincoln vehicles. Omnicraft parts are available at FordParts.com. And uh, let's, let's uh, just keep that in mind. I, I, I think about things like that, different sources for parts, and I think Omnicraft has that niche market that will allow them to excel as they are um, I, I thought about that up in Cape Cod. What's parts distribution like up there, right? And you can you can source things like Omnicraft parts at FordParts.com, and then um, you know dial it up on your favorite FedEx or UPS driver, and parts get delivered. I guess that's how that would work. But uh, yeah, Omnicraft. Keep that in mind. Let's get over and talk to Steve in Maryland, 13 Toyota Tacoma, and uh, see what's going on here. Steve, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Yes, sir. Well, I. I like to change oil in my 
Toyota Tacoma truck myself, and uh, I like to do a good job. And what I'm asking you is, when I drain the oil, I also do an additional step. I hook up an air hose to the uh, oil filler and the valve cover, and uh, I add com- I use compressed air to blow out any extra oil in the engine that didn't drain out. And uh, you can imagine that would make a mess. So what I do is I, I've got a, uh, a five-quart empty oil jug that I cut out, and I put that under the engine so that none sprays around. And okay. I'm asking you, is that a good idea? I, I appreciate the initiative, Steve. I really do, and I get what you're trying to do. Um, I think you could accomplish the same thing, and in my mind, safer. It's I, I've never done this. All right, so I would have to sit and really give it some thought. What gaskets am I pressurizing to what limit and beyond? Um, you'd have to show me that you've got a built-in regulator and you're keeping air pressure at a limit. You know, if engine oil pressure is rated for 30 to 80 PSI and shop air is 160, I don't know that I'd want to push 160 pounds of something through an area that's designed for 30 to 80, if you, if you get what I'm saying. Um, uh, I do, but... But please understand, I've got the drain plug pulled out, okay. and uh, also the oil fil- filter's been removed. So there's plenty of uh, open space there for the air to escape quickly. Let me ask you the question. Let me let me let me ask let me ask you a question this way. Then, what are your what are your oil change intervals? Uh, I I do it once a year, no matter what. Uh, I'm only putting maybe four or five thousand miles on my truck, and I use Bubble One extended performance, and I always change the oil filter. Okay. Uh, I just do an oil change, and and I swapped over to the uh, Mobile One oil filters, which I would assume are good extended filters. range, right? So, and also, so I'd also like to add that uh, I have I've cut the filters open. When I do the oil change, I, I cut the old oil filter that I just pulled off the engine. I cut them open, uh, and I look at the the pleated filter material, and hey, it's always it's always I'm pretty much spotless. Okay. Yes, I do have some particles in there from when I cut the filter canister off, but uh, not counting that, the filters look almost perfectly clean. So let me let's just talk for a second. It's just you and me. All right. Okay. I always think about the lengths that I go to and other people go to to do oil changes. I think about intervals. I think about um, procedures and and, and how and what I'm doing. I've got to tell you, in 44 years of repairing cars, the number of times we've had an engine failure, knock wood, because I don't want it to happen this week, is, I think, less than two. Okay. And and we've always changed oil the same way on a regular basis. Good oil, good filter. The majority of our customers will run a car to 200, 225,000 miles. I mean, it's not it's not unheard of for somebody that we're working on their car. The whole car goes to 200 and beyond. Um, blowing air into the engine like that, I don't know. I don't know what you're achieving. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'd I'd really like to see some test results. I'd like to see, 
you know, you're changing the oil properly. You're, you're overchanging it, really, because you're using higher mileage oil, which is rated for 15,000 miles with an extra duration filter, which is great. But, you know, what I'm trying to get at is the amount of risk. What's the risk? I always think, what's the risk in venturing off the path? You know, when I was up in Cape Cod and they took me out into the woods, it was, oh, come here, look at this flower. And I'm thinking, what's the risk if I get off the path? Where's the poison ivy or the, or the snake or the whatever? Um, so what's the risk? If you pulled the drain plug, pulled the oil filter, and, and drained all the oil and let the pan drain for an extra hour, how much more oil would you get out of it? And you'd be using gravity, and you wouldn't be pressurizing anything that wasn't necessarily designed to be run at that pressure. Okay, well, you're the expert, and I wanted to ask you, and I've been doing that for probably about 10 years. Right. And, um, and uh, You're probably going to tell me you never had a problem doing it your way, and I, and I believe you. I, I, yeah. just, I just wonder, is it really necessary? What I'm, what I'm trying to also encourage people to do is to look at procedures um one of the things i notice and please don't take offense please i just noticed that we all get very fastidious about certain parts of the car where i i think to do that oil change just let it drain and let it sit for an hour you know what pull the plug before you go to lunch go inside the house let the drain drain put the pan under there let it sit for an hour have a sandwich have a cold drink come back out an hour hour and a half later and it's basically going to accomplish the same thing. I'm not saying I'm not extreme like you either, Steve. Listen, many a time I've changed the oil on the Suburban, the family bus, and I'll change it, you know, Thursday night. I'll be the last thing I drop. I, I drop the oil Thursday night, and I'll come back in Friday morning uh, with a low pan under it because I didn't leave the vehicle up in the air overnight. And, yeah, there's there's more there, um, and I'll let, it, I'll let it go through a good long drain, especially if it's been... Uh, a little too long, maybe between intervals, or the oil got dark for that reason. I've done that. I get where you're coming from. But the other thing is that I want to point out, so this is a 13 Toyota. What other maintenance have you done to it? And I know you're going to tell me you've done some. You have, right? Yes, but I've only got 25,000 miles on it, and okay. I've had it since uh, October 2012. All right, so... Moisture breaks down gear oil. By now, you should have done gear oil at least once, in my opinion. If we're going to be fastidious, let's be fastidious, right? I'm going to. I'm going to. Uh, that's another thing. I, I know I'm supposed to change the gear oil. I'm going to do that. Uh, I'd rather. I. You can either get it at Toyota or get oil from, let's say, Mobile One. But I don't know if they will meet the Toyota specifications. I don't right. know. And it's it's that's a that's a that's a mobile one question, but yeah, I get it. You know, and to use a mobile one, maybe a mobile one synthetic or a mobile one gear oil, and just changing gear oil every twenty five to thirty thousand miles is a big plus. Uh, the vehicle right. is a thirteen. It's got Toyota Super Long Life coolant in it. It's seven eight years old. I would have I would have changed coolant by now, um, uh, because if you know, it's it's funny. I look at manufacturers' recommendations. Uh, Toyota says that their coolant will go 10 years, 100,000 miles on the first go-round. But then on the second go-round, it's five years, 50,000 miles. And right. it's the same coolant. And I don't, I don't get that. I, I think, you know, I think some of the precautions we take, they've got to make sense to me. So, right. you know what? Keep changing your oil way you're doing it. Put a pan under it. You can do the you can do the air pressure thing, but like I said, putting high pressure into the vehicle like that, I, I just wonder. 
Um, okay. think, think about the other fluids. Coolant makes sense. You should have done brake fluid a couple of times by now because it absorbs moisture. So I have done the, I have okay. done the brake fluid, and uh, the brake fluid has been clear coming out of the uh, and it should be position. Hey, hey, yeah. listen. I always I always think of it. You know, you want to take care of something before it's broke. Uh, you know, a lot of people say to me, well, I didn't change the trans fluid because it was there by time and mileage, but the fluid was still clean. You know, if you wait until the fluid's dirty, it's already done its damage or it's already embedded into the component, whatever that is. So changing things on a timed and mileage basis is is just a good, safe practice to get into before it creates the problem. Uh, you know, it's like it's like quitting smoking. I'll quit smoking when I get sick. Well, why don't you quit smoking before you get sick? <laughs> you won't have the problem in the first place. Um, so, but um, you're on the right path, Steve. I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I can't say that I've ever done it. I, I understand trying to get every last drop out. You know, not the worst idea by any stretch of the imagination, but don't overlook some of the other maintenance that the vehicle might need and uh, deal with that as well. And, um, by the way, you should think about 25,000 miles making sure the brake pads are loose and free and the caliper slides still work loose and free. You may want to pull calipers apart and lube up all the pins and the hardware, too, because at the rate you're going, it'll be quite a while before you put brakes on that vehicle. I appreciate the call. Thank you to you and everyone else down there in Maryland listening to The Car Doctor today. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron on any of The Car Doctor. Quick piece of email. This comes to us from Lou in Kentucky. Ron, I've got an 05 Toyota Camry, and every time I shut the car off and go to restart it, I've noticed that of late when I check the oil, I check the oil on it once a month, that the radiator hoses are collapsed shut. My mechanic has replaced the radiator. He's replaced the radiator cap. He's replaced the hoses, and it still continues to happen. I'm not quite sure what brand of parts he used, but I was wondering what your thoughts are on the problem, Lou, down in Louisville, Kentucky. Look at that. Uh, we're on in Louisville. Well, I, I kind of thought that. Um, I think we picked up an affiliate um, in southern, I think, Indiana, and that's where all this. But anyway, um, here's the deal, Lou. What you're, you're describing to me is a classic case of a radiator cap that's not releasing pressure at the proper time. Now, this is an 05 Camry, it looks like you're saying, and this is a V6. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, when you're saying radiator cap, you don't mention that the fact that there, this V6 could have two caps. There's one on the bottle sometimes. There's one on the radiator. And then there's um, also one, I'm sorry, not one on the bottle. There's one on the radiator, which is under, on the radiator cap, on the radiator itself. But there's also one under the engine cover. And I'm wondering if he's aware of that. So, you know, obviously I want you to use a good quality cap. Motorrad comes to mind, motorrad.com, tons of education, tons of information out there. Um, they, they explain radiator caps. There's an overview uh, video I've seen many times. It's great. I actually use it in the shop at the counter because it gives a very thorough explanation of radiator caps. You know, radiator caps to me are kind of like the Rodney Dangerfield of cooling system components. They, they just get no respect. Everybody just... Nobody ever thinks about it, and uh, congratulations to your mechanic, the fact that he changed the radiator and he put a cap on it, but did he change the other radiator cap, as I call it, on some of these Camrys, and it's actually not a radiator cap, it's a coolant cap, they'll call it, but it sits in the very back, um, it looks like a radiator cap, it's not, it is involved in pressure relief on certain models, so just take a look at that, ask him what does that look like, and that may be the solution uh, you're looking for, and you can get out to motorrad.com, find tons more information. Appreciate the call, and my best to everyone down there in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. 855-560-9900, Ron and Eating the Car Doctor, coming back right after this. 
back. We're on into the car doctor. You know, for our caller, Stephen in Maryland is talking about extended oil filters and um, ex- extended uh, drain intervals like that. You know, one thing I forgot to point out is you can get out to Wix filters. Go out to wixfilters.com. They've got an awful lot of education on that website. You can go out to wixfilters.com and look up. Uh, videos contact. You can do a filter lookup. They do have their own line of longer drain interval oil filters, and they explain the benefits of. And uh, just a great conversation. You know, Wix. Wix has been a filter company very, very, very long time. Seventy-five years, I think. Some crazy thing like that. It's they've been around as they've been around as long as the car doctor, and then some. All right. So it's and I'm old now. So uh, they've been around a very long time. They're 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 one of the leaders in filter technology. So by all means, you can get out to WixFilters.com and learn more about oil filters and choosing them and uh, everything else that they make, too. I want to talk real quick about, um, I was reading the Mitchell One Fix of the Week this week, and it talks about, um, well, I'll read it like this. It's an electric power steering problem on a 2006 Saturn Ion. And it starts out by saying, seemingly gone are the days of good old-fashioned hydraulic power steering. Now cars and some trucks have electric power steering where some sort of electric motor assists the steering. This real fix, follow this real fix to see how inoperative power steering on this Saturn Ion was diagnosed and repaired. And they go on to point out it was a 2006 Saturn Ion, and it had a trouble code C as in Charlie 0475, power steering inoperative. They ended up replacing the steering column. The customer's complaint was power steering inoperative. They also state the anti-lock brake system light is on. They went through some diagnosis. They found the trouble code C0475, and they went through scan tool data, and they attempted to turn the steering wheel while looking at scan tool data and found the electric steering motor parameter was fixed, meaning that there was no change in voltage or operation of it, leading them to suspect it was a faulty power steering column. They went through a couple of other tests. They used a voltmeter. They checked for the presence of voltage and ground at the steering motor connector. You know, they had power. They had ground. It's got to work. It didn't. It was a bad steering motor. They put a steering motor in the car, and they fixed it. And, you know, this is typical of what, um, you know, Mitchell does. Mitchell1.com, as you can get out to their website, um, go look at Mitchell1.com. These real fix, sure track fixes are there. One thing that's not mentioned in this, and it's not really about Mitchell at that point, but it made me realize that you look at the technology in cars. Here's an 05, 06 Saturn, I'm sorry. Here's an 06 Saturn that needed a steering column, and they had to put one in it. What's going to happen when these older cars um, need parts and the components aren't available? Where will the parts come from? Will salvage yard part swaps work as well as they did today on newer vehicles and so on. Maybe think that electronics are going to limit the availability of part swapping. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.